Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here. We're so glad that you could join us from wherever you find yourself this morning. Today I'm delighted to say that we have our student Leslie Thompson leading our service. Leslie's with us for most of this year. It's our final year of her studies and we're delighted to have her with us and for her to lead worship today. She'll be joined by Lewis and Catherine Epps. Lewis is going to read for us and Catherine will lead us in our prayers later in our time together. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 20 verses 27 to 38. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and the third married her, and in the same way the seven died, leaving no children. Finally the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive." Sometimes the lectionary really likes to throw in a belter of a passage, just to test us, to expand our minds beyond the words on a page, to a place that we may not want to go to, to thoughts of what happens next. Before we get into the nitty gritty of these verses, I'd like us to think about what has been happening previously, and who are these Sadducees that are throwing their hat into the ring against Jesus with their questions on the resurrection? So let's take a closer look at what is actually happening within the verses of Luke 20. This is a third question that has been asked of Jesus, and all of these questions have been raised by varying members of the ruling classes of the day. First was the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders, who are so shocked by the answer given that immediately look for a way to arrest Jesus. Then, they send in some spies to try and trick Jesus with a second question. Of course, these spies were not up to the job and were so astonished by the answer given that they became silent. Finally, along comes the Sadducees. But who were these people? Well, the Sadducees were a social political group, members of the priesthood and the majority founders of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council. Although they weren't the biggest group of people, they were wealthy and generally well-educated. They didn't believe in the resurrection and denied any afterlife, holding firm to their beliefs that the soul perished after death. And they were followers of the teachings of Moses and the laws laid down within the Torah. They went against the beliefs of the Pharisees, even though they would later join with them in their pursuit of Jesus. Yet here they are, asking what happens to be a crazy question of Jesus. Tell us, 
What happens when a wife's first husband dies, leaving her without any children? Then one after another, the six brothers of the husband marry the wife, and each of them die, without leaving any offspring. And eventually the wife also dies. Who then will the wife be married to in the resurrection? Well, of all the questions raised in order to try and trick Jesus, this really is a stonker. The preamble to this question is perhaps not a surprise. The Sadducees note the teachings of Moses and would have been concerned over the rules around Levite marriage. Where if a husband, a woman's husband dies and they have no offspring, then the brother of that husband is expected to marry the wife to ensure the continuation of the family line. But they're really pushing it with the seven brothers and only one bride. I'm not sure I'd have been able to look them directly in the eyes, at least not without rolling my own eyes back at them. But not Jesus. He is calmness personified. His answer to them comes in two parts. First, he lets them know that in the resurrected life, there is no such thing as marriage. That's just a concept for this age. So don't you concern your pretty little minds with what will be, by the way, things in the resurrection life. That will all be in God's hands. Both our lives here on earth and in heaven are in the control of God, something that the Sadducees would definitely have disagreed with. Then Jesus takes it a step further and calls them out on their faith in the laws and teachings of Moses. If this is the case, then how can they not believe in the God of the resurrection? After all, wasn't it Moses who, when confronted by the burning bush, cried out that the Lord is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? God of the living and the dead. In his answer, Jesus is reprimanding the Sadducees for their beliefs, for ignoring and diminishing the power of God. Jesus presents proof of Moses' understanding of the resurrection in God with the reference to the only books that the Sadducees hold faith in, the Torah. Today's readings end at this point, but if we just look at the next two short verses, what we see is that actually some of those listening praised this response from Jesus. And then in the final verse, there is an answer to close down all the questions highlighted. Verse 40 reads, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. But today's reading raises quite a few questions for us. Questions about the resurrected life, of who we will be with, of what it will be like. Perhaps the real answer to all these questions is found in what we should all be concerned about. How to live. How to live in God's eternal life now. How to awaken to and live in God's realm now and in the hope for the future. There's an invitation in this story not to be distracted by rabbit holes, but to remember to focus on living as a disciple alive to God today. I'd like to read you a poem now written by Jenny Wilson, which may allow us to think about today's reading, to consider life after death, about the resurrection, in a way that's different to what we may have done before. 
I don't get the resurrection, she said, as she sat on the sand, looking at the waves, thinking of the one she loved who had died. She sifted the sand through her fingers, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. How much ancient death is here in these grains of sand? I don't get the resurrection, she said. I don't get the resurrection, she said, as she walked through the bushlands, blackened by fire. They say that some seeds only germinate after the fire has raged. Life after death. But what does that mean for us human ones? I don't get the resurrection, she said. I don't get the resurrection, she said, as she sat in her winter garden, staring at the bare branches of the oak tree remembering the one she loved who had died. I know, God, you tell me that if I look closely, I'll see tiny pale green leaves growing on those branches. But what does this mean for us human ones? I don't get the resurrection, she said. She put her head in her hands. When she opened her eyes minutes later, she found herself in another garden. It was dark and she was surrounded by olive trees. He was beside her. What are you most afraid of losing? He said. She thought about her treasures. They were the obvious ones, like her earrings. She liked earrings. Little stones circled in gold that dangling caught the light. Not that. It wasn't that she was afraid of losing. She thought about her books. She loved books. Stories in which to hide and strangely find oneself. Books about God and praying. Not those either. She thought about meals. She loved preparing food for family and friends. Remembering their favourite food and gathering them for a meal. Not even that, she thought. It's not even that I am most afraid of losing. She looked at him. This, she said. This is what I am most afraid of losing. What, fear? He said, smiling at her. No. No, not that. I'll be glad to leave that behind. You always say, don't be afraid. Even to those poor disciples terrified in the boat in that storm, you said, don't be afraid. But you were afraid in this garden. You were afraid. Yes, I was, he said. No, it's this. This is what I am most afraid of losing. The company, the conversation, with you most of all. But with all the dear souls, with all my dear souls. Come on, he said. We're going for a walk. Where? She said. Along that road. What road? She said. Have I been with you all this time and you don't know? He said. Oh, she smiled at him. The Amir's road. Are you going to open the scriptures for me too? They walked for a while. After I had died, he said, when I came back, what of me remained? 
I don't know, she said. I've tried to work it out, but I don't know. Something. Something have you remained? When you fed them bread and fish, was it real bread, real fish? Does it matter, he said. I don't know, but you fed them. Yes, he said. And Mary, when Mary saw you, she didn't recognise you. How could she not have recognised you? I'm sure I'd have recognised you. Or maybe not. She knew you when you spoke her name. And you wouldn't let her touch you. As if you knew she didn't need that. Is that that? What we can't touch, death can't take away. But Thomas was sure he had to touch you. And you would have let him. But when you talked to him, he didn't need to. Talking to you was enough. I know what remained of you when you came back after you died. The company, the conversations, that's what remained of you. Something like that, he said. They walked on a little way and then they sat down beside the Amir's road and she rested her head in her arms. When she lifted her head and looked around, she saw that she was back in her own garden, and she found herself remembering again the one she loved who had died. I don't get the resurrection, she said, but she smiled to herself, and for just a little while, her soul was calm. Amen. We were waiting without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dark
Till that stone was moved for good For the Lamb hath conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who'd come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was Loving God, out of darkness you bring light, out of despair you bring hope, out of fear you bring joy, and out of death you bring life, mysterious, glorious and eternal. Be with us now and hear us as we pray, for others and ourselves. As the seasons progress, as autumn's cool breezes blow through the northern part of your world, and spring's joyful light dances across the southern part of your world. We remember and pray for your whole world. Help all peoples in all places to give thanks for the gift of life, not only our own, but that of all living things, animals and plants, and guide us to the resolve to do better and be better in our calling to be stewards of your wondrous creation. As we, your beloved children, continue to seek new ways to bring your mission to this world, so in need of hope, we pray for this church and all churches as they seek to find their place in a changed and changing world. Help us all to remain faithful to your calling, to place the needs of others above our own, and to have the boldness to tell hard truths to a world of easy answers. As our community, society and country struggles with inequality, fear, poverty and disease, we pray for ourselves and all those with the power to bring about justice and change, that we and they will find strength in you to work for the good of all people.
As we each consider our own lives, our own relationships, our own hopes and dreams, we pray that you will be with us through it all. Loving God, that we will know your presence, your care and your unending love. As we continue our prayers in the words you have taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Go now with the blessing of God, known to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with us this day and every day. Amen. Amen.